Introduction At the turn of the millennium, I was fortunate enough to take a temporary residence in a beautiful cabin fueled by cabin fever. This memoir rummages through that era and reassembles the elements that made the experience unique and meaningful for a goofy city boy from Ohio. There would be no action-packed agenda. We would not go see Glacier National Park or embark on any crazy rafting trips within close range. There was no horseback ride into the deep wilderness hunting moose and Bigfoot. At the age of 22, skiing at the nearby top-notch resort was not even a soft consideration, with a perception that we would be amidst a circling swarm of the uppity. Just two guys trying to pass the time with little money, thriving off a curiosity of what the total experience would be like. A decision that would cause peers, most of whom were living out the prime of their lives at bars and parties, to scratch their heads and wonder, why would anyone ever go live in the woods in Montana? This memoir answers that question. Though, if you are reading this already wondering the same, the content might get worse for you, much worse, in fact. Unfortunately, I have lost my activity journal from the fall and winter of 1999 that chronicled the majority of my wanderings in great detail. A missing link that would have made portraying a memoir much easier had it not been lost. There is a silver lining to that misfortune. Twenty years have passed, and having to fully recall some hazy events at times paves a better trail for embellishment and sensationalism. Boring facts can be exonerated from their rusted-out cages of veracity. Those literary freedoms are kept in check by a second journal that detailed the second half of the stay. Though, by that time, some journal fatigue had plagued the writing. This account will lean heavily on the published Daily Letters to Myself of Big Sky to Big City by Andy Calms as a reference point to many murky details. My friend's recap of his own experiences during that time with me in Montana in journal format. Those journal entries, in many ways, are my journal entries and capture the individual moments much better than I can with a 20 years later memory rotten with fuzz. This became a major reason I chose to write about my Montana experience above all else. Someone else had already done most of the work, just the way I prefer. Also, writing a memoir for others to read is less nerve-wracking when it includes only a few people. Those people become characters, and those characters can be weird about how an all-powerful memoir author depicts them. I doubt anyone would like me writing about them either, especially if those characters still owe me money, as those descriptions could get salty. Joe Schmo and the 50 bucks that he still owes me over the Browns-Bengals game and I walk down the trail in search of moose. The whole memoir might even turn into one giant smear campaign, whose sole aim is to get that money back or procure some other hidden vengeance. Contents would turn downright nasty to castigate those people I still owe money to. I would go after their credibility and reputation, full scale. Many disqualifying adjectives. Luckily, the time in Montana did not have an extravagant cast of characters. 
The only other human around me mostly already wrote about those times and represented me as a crazed madman in the woods, disappearing sporadically to feed on lost souls. The writings will desperately beg for an occasional chuckle, though not in response to humor. Instead, just some salvageable sympathy, a measure of merciful goodwill. Through careful analysis, I've estimated there will be a minimum of 76.5 eye rolls and nearly twice that amount of uncontrollable what-the-hell outbursts while reading. Turning each page might feel like a rep at the gym with many burning sensations. Do not be alarmed by this, as the awfulness of the content is by design. It might burn more and more, page after page, but you will feel much better once it is all over. The physiological response to pride in the reading the final pages of a book is exceptionally comparable to the sense of relief that you no longer have to endure any more misery. I have engineered 81 of the pages to hope that the next page might be where things finally get enjoyable. 93 of those next pages will make you wonder the exact same thing as the pages before. The additional 12 pages assume that you end up skipping some pages to aid in wading through the memoir towards the finish line at a quicker rate. Events will become dots connected to one another, after the fact that have no business ever being correlated. Timelines will be blurred and readjusted to fit the readability requirements. And why not? It is my account. Most actions end up as better memories than the real-time events they portray. If you find yourself at some point enjoying yourself or thinking the things we did were good ideas, then do not continue. It is for your own safety and well-being. And please, never lose sight that this memoir stretches back to dates from over 20 years ago. Who can be judged by their 20 years ago old self? Cabin fever bears a judgment-free statute of limitations after all.